Augmented reveals the stories behind a new era of industrial operations where technology will restore the agility of frontline workers. In episode one of the podcast, the topic is Automation to Augmentation. Our guest is Trun Arne Unheim, host of the Augmented and Futurized podcasts, futurist, venture partner at Antler, ecosystem evangelist at Tulip, non-resident fellow at the Atlantic Council and co-founder of Yegi. Tron is a former director of MIT Startup Exchange, director of standards, strategy and policy at Oracle, and a national expert for e-government at the European Commission. Tron is a Forex author. His upcoming book, Future Tech, How to Capture Value from Disruptive Industry Trends, will be released on 3 March in the UK and Europe and on 30th of March in the US. He holds a PhD on the future of work and artificial intelligence and cognition. In this conversation, we talk about the ambitious aim of the Augmented Podcast to shift the discussion about industrial operations from automation to augmentation, bringing a bottom-up perspective that benefits the frontline worker. Since this is episode one of the Augmented Podcast, Tulip CEO Natan Linder has been brought in to interview Tron and to contextualize the podcast, tell the story of the partnership between Natan and Tron, and to discuss what to expect from the Augmented Podcast in the time to come. Natan Linder is co-founder and CEO of manufacturing technology company Tulip and co-founder and chairman of Formlabs, the pioneer and industry leader in professional desktop 3D printing. Natan holds a PhD from MIT Media Lab's Fluid Interfaces Group and an SM in Media Arts and Sciences from MIT. Augmented is a podcast for leaders. Hosted by futurist Trun Arnunheim, presented by Tulip.co, the manufacturing app platform, and associated with MFG.works, the manufacturing upskilling community launched at the World Economic Forum. Each episode dives deep into a contemporary topic of concern across the industry and airs at 9 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time every Wednesday. Augmented, the Industry 4.0 podcast. Hello, Trond. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. It's good, uh, it's good to hear your voice. And here we are doing another podcast, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, likewise. I love to to be interviewed this time. We had a we had a great time. Yeah, really good feedback from from that interview. Yeah, me too. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on that show, as they say. Today we're we're starting a new a new show. Yeah, it's a new chapter. I'm very excited. It is. Me and you uh, must mean uh, we're doing something right. You know, it, thinking it, of of a second podcast, or you know, for me, a second podcast, and for you. To, to launch a podcast with, with a startup, that's great. Yes, and, and I think it's, uh, you know, indicative, you know, not only of, you know, where we are with Tulip and the startup, but really, you know, we want to, we, we're here to tell, to tell a story and, you know, to catalyze a community. And I think today, this is kind of our way of in, introducing that uh, concept to the world and sharing a little bit about what we're planning to do on a weekly basis. In fact, what you're planning to do, and we'll, we'll hear all about that. But before that, why don't we kind of, you know, catch people up and, and we've known each other for a long time. And I want to, yeah. I want to help, 
help our audience, you know, get get to know you better. So, Tron, you've been, you've been involved in tech for a very long time. Maybe maybe you can share a little bit about your background and kind of lay lay out like what what brought us here, so we can understand you know, where we're going. Yeah, uh, let's do that. On, on this journey. So I'm going to start a little before we met each other, just a tiny bit before, but only only because you know you ask about my background, and and I think it's relevant eventually to, and we'll get there. But I'm a bit of a jack of all trades, so you will find out, and you know, undoubtedly, you know, you've looked at my background. I have been in many sectors, possibly in every sector, and I enjoy meeting not just new people, but I enjoy kind of the experiences and the learning that comes from being in very different situations. I mean, you and I share the background of having been, you know, even in the armed forces. But, you know, I've literally started think tanks. I have, you know, been working for nonprofits. I've worked for governments. I worked for large, large companies, enterprise uh, companies and startups. And I've worked for university. And usually in all of my jobs, Natan, and I think this relates to why I am excited about podcasting and, and the kinds of work that I will be doing with Augmented. I just like to have conversations with different kinds of people and I'm a little bit of a connector. So, you know, where I've been in my background is, I guess I'm kind of a little bit of a dissatisfied academic. You know, I thought for a very long time I was going to be become a, just, a, I guess, university professor. You know, Before that... that that sounds a little bit like me, you know. I'm, I'm, yeah, dissatisfied academic of sorts. So, so I'm, I'm curious to hear why you were dissatisfied because for me, it was almost, it was pretty simple, really. It was just I was sitting there writing these pieces, and you get, you know, the critiques back from these peer reviewers, and you realize you're writing for an audience of one and a half. Yeah. And that just didn't go down so well with me because, I mean. I think I'm a communicator and I want to hear and I want to get feedback. And there was, at least in the part of academia I was at the time, it was a very passive type of thing. And I think the feedback took too long, right? So for me, I was more impatient. I wanted I wanted to hear what people were thinking. I wanted to bring people together. And, and you know, later I discovered, of course, that there are parts of academia that are like that. But, but you had to seek it out and you had to earn your place in, in that kind of position. So... I think I always prefer to take the windy path, and and that's what I've done. Yeah, right? I mean, my career makes zero sense. So maybe maybe we'll go one level deeper, and then I can kind of. But what I'm what I'm, you know, what I'm really connecting to is the you know the combination of, and maybe this is where my dissatisfactions with academia, while having tons of respect, it's probably more more a statement about myself, is that. You know, you want to make technological impact and, and you, you got to think about the people. And this is where, you know, you mentioned technology and society and how they come together. And and to me, you know, at the day and age we live in, it's like, it, you know, everything is much faster. And even, even like why we're getting here to start something, start catalyze a movement around augmented is about, you know, basically connecting to more people faster and bringing more ideas to more people faster. So I, I know you've spent all this time between enterprise strategy, government, education, think tanks, VCs. What, what's your view? And maybe you can share a little bit about uh, your experience in you know, community building and how to address specifically communities that kind of try and 
usher you know technological shifts can, can you share a little bit about that yeah i mean that that again is something that i think ties into what you know what you've asked me to do here with with tulip and with and, and literally uh, w- with the movement around the no code movement and what's happening in the manufacturing industry i feel like throughout my career i've kind of done some of that earlier in in other fields and building a community has always just been very interesting to me maybe maybe because that's really the life of of science the life of all of these domains of knowledge really which i think what unites what both of us are interested in and i think it's the communication either in even in the specific sort of scientific community you find yourself but definitely at the edges you know just being able to pick up on how what you're doing can make a difference and and specifically on community building i mean one one thing one experience i did have which i found pretty interesting was at the eu i was brought in you know in a, a unit uh, of e-government right so that this is you know technology that government is managing on on behalf of uh, you know its citizens trying to make services more efficient and and make use of technology in that context and I was asked to build this, or basically I took over a failing best practice project where the idea was to share all of the experiences across Europe in various different projects. But the thing is, building a community is difficult when you don't really know. Well, typically you're asked to build a community that doesn't exist because whoever wants you to build that community, they're sort of saying, I think there should be a community. Yeah. But but when you are building it, you have to figure out, you know, first off, you know, you start off with, you know, which I did with like 50 passive email accounts or something. And they said, yeah, admittedly, this is not much. And then you really have to figure out what, what have I been asked to do here? What unites these people? And, and even more surprisingly, you have to figure out what doesn't unite them because people can actually gel around being in disagreement, right? So you have to figure out what's interesting enough that we can gather around it. And, and it's a little bit of this proverbial fireplace or the, the bonfire. You just, you have to figure out something that is interesting enough that you're willing to spend time day out and day in discussing and learning and building, finding kind of common ground, but also fruitfully sort of disagreeing. That is the heart of community. I think that's why we are, you know, that's why we hang together as a society, right? We are Eventually, most of us bored in our own thoughts. And I say this, you know, being a bit of a loner myself, I can sit for days and days in my own thoughts or read or, you know, it's not like I crave community, quite the opposite. But when you find the right thing to engage on, all of us, whether you're developers or, you know, in this case with the e-government community, at the end of building this community, there were 100,000 people across Europe exchanging experiences on something that most people would say is quite mundane, even boring, certainly difficult, right? E-government is not your first topic for building an exciting community. But turns out there were so many things we could uh, unite around. There were so many things people actually hadn't discussed before. And uh, yeah, so I think, and I've tried to build some of those communities, you know, across fields, right? Because it's not interesting if you're just building a community for just a a small group of people who kind of agree in any case. 
it's more exciting when there is a divergence of opinion. So that's sort of how I feel. That's the basics of community building. Yeah. So you said a few interesting things, and I'm going to share some of our private conversations that led here. If, if you don't mind, you know, well, sure. I might embarrass you a little bit, but hey, you know, you signed up for it. And I think, I think we'll, we'll get through this together. But before we get there, you said something about loneliness, and, and, and we'll circle back to that because I know you're a futurist and you're a writer. And I, I see those things as I'm more of a nowist than a futurist, so to speak, and, and you know, trying to change stuff now. And, and I don't think I'm a great writer at all. I mean, I'm struggling with that. I've been honest about this for a long time. But, you know, when we... So I want to come back to that because I think that there's a reason, like when you're trying to understand uh, what's happening in the future and connect to people and like distill it into to text, important ideas come out and emerge. A very important tool when you're trying to catalyze a community. And I go back to our discussions and I said, I want to form a community where I see a void, where... There, there should be a conversation and we should discuss it. And I know we're going all meta here, but, but the point is, is that when we, when we look at this from what's going on today in Industry 4.0, and especially the past, I'd say, five years, we're, we're seeing this explosion of activity online. And still there are voices that are missing that kind of tell, tell different aspects of the story. That void is where I, I, I wanted to reach out and, and say, hey, you know, we should start collaborating on this thing and put, put a community together. And how, how, do, how do you see it? I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts about the community we're trying to spring up here? Well, I'll tell you, maybe I'll also go all meta here because, you know, one of the reasons we are working together, I want to go back to that, right? So we met at MIT. I was building out a startup exchange. We can talk more about MIT startup exchange, but it, I found it a fascinating program. I wish it was my idea. I was asked to kind of build it out, but, you know, I did build it from scratch. I think it was a great idea. It was a counterintuitive idea because you'd, you'd think that MIT had everything all set up when it comes to startups or, or even with startups meeting industry, because that's, after all, what MIT is really good at as well. But anyway, I think one of the reasons we are still working together, I think, is, to be honest, you were one of the very, not one of the very few, because there were so many fantastic entrepreneurs there, but the, there was a combination of things that I discovered that you know you had so many interesting ways of doing things that was obviously very entrepreneurial you're very successful but the things that you in your companies that you saw and and especially with tulip right i recall this almost as if it was yesterday when i came into your lab essentially i think you were six people and you i was i think one of the first external people you showed around and i start and i realized very quickly as you were showing some prototypes that I believe are just coming out. And, you know, I don't know how much we can talk about them, but there were some sensor type applications that you were showing me that I believe are about to come out in Tulip's product today. So this was maybe 2014 and they're now coming out in product. It was so exciting for me. And I started to realize that what you're working on is more than a business. And so first, my first thought was, this is going to be very successful. But my second thought was what Natan is onto here is actually much more important than business because you are, I, I don't think I realized then that what you're building is a movement as much as I realized that tying the worker to kind of meaning around what they're doing and giving them more autonomy than they had before 
using technology. And, and I don't think I had, I hadn't seen that it could be called augmentation at that point. But I, I was just looking at what you showed me and I thought, this is really transformative. If this becomes commonplace, if really a worker who doesn't necessarily know technology, certainly not coding or know anything really about hardware, they're just going about doing what they've been uh, either told to do or, you know, like making their daily uh, grind. But now, instead of sort of offering to automate what they're doing, which obviously has a lot of negative connotation toward it, you are offering, keep doing what you're doing and we will help you improve what you're doing without changing necessarily what you're doing. If you change what you're doing, it's because you wanted it to change because you saw that there was a more efficient way of doing it. But we're going to augment your abilities so you can not only just get analytics on, on what it is that you are doing as you're doing things. This was kind of the, the big thing that I saw in, in, in one of the, the sensors that you had installed. The fact that you could literally keep doing, let's say, you know, on a manufacturing station, you could just keep doing what you were always doing, but instead of stopping all the time, that grind of kind of filling out these manual work orders to say, you know, this is what I should be doing. Tick, I have done this. It just, and it's been a grind, right, for centuries in factories. Yeah. And I realized this is not just about making it a little bit more efficient. You're actually maintaining meaning for people whose job was perhaps about to lose meaning. And I thought, this is, in, this is very important. It's very empowering. It could go really, really far. And it has to do with much more than business, right? And you know, later, as I understood more about what you're doing, and later you and I have talked about this, there's a passion here that I saw in what you were doing that I want to be part of. So I joined a movement more than I think I joined a company. At least that's that was my motivation for coming on and, and discussing these things with industry leaders in your network and in my network and kind of joining up our networks. It's not because, you know, the technology is going to, I don't know, change the world in and of itself. It's not the change. It's the fact that I think it's meaningful. I think it changes something fundamental in an area of society that people had given up on. Like we are in the U.S. right now. Why is it that, I mean, for the last decade, very smart people, I mean, Steve Jobs and down, were literally claiming we will never see these jobs again, right? The whole outsourcing thing, the whole, this is all gone, manufacturing is gone, we, we can't compete anymore. And then what you're offering, potentially, and, and what the kind of solutions that we are working on well, we until it, but also the the broader movement is actually offering an alternative. And you know, you you are much better at explaining the origin of this. But that is really why I'm here. The change management component, I just simply call it the human aspect of you know making technology actually make a difference. That's easily 50% of the battle because we are drowning in technology. It's just not evenly spread, you know, and. I think in the world of operational environments and where we saw the constituency that we're trying to create a venue, a stage, a voice to people who are who are part of this change that we're seeing where 
stuff that we take for granted in the, our lives as knowledge workers. And, you know, we take for granted our apps or our, or our data or what have you, and, and, and bring that to people who are elsewhere. They're, they're sometimes quote-unquote tucked below you know, the layers of corporate IT and are, are, to me, they're like underserved and often, I wouldn't go as far as ignored, but not heard as much. And we need to bring them together, tell their stories, have them tell their stories. And that might be your manufacturing engineer or your you know, head of or a factory manager who got the job to start up, you know, a bunch of new production lines or a quality person trying to uh, speed up vaccine production or what have you. There, there's no shortage of stories. And I think no one is in the trenches telling those stories. And for me, that's a big aspect of the community we're trying to catalyze here today. How, how are you thinking about this? Well, exactly the same, because I guess for 30 years or I mean, even more, right? The entire, it's a wonderful development that started with the academic developments around the internet, right? So the, it started with communication, but really at least the last 20 years, have been about extending this technology in, in two ways, right? Certainly, you know, in the, in the commercial sphere, it's, it's knowledge workers and it's a kind of business and it's, you know, white collar, essentially, right? Yeah. And computers and, and people who, who we have now seen with the pandemic who already were living good lives, who then got to live even better lives, which is fantastic. I'm not against progress at all. But there's this other side of the coin that I, it's, taken me a while to realize how neglected, and you just pointed it out, how neglected that sphere of society has been when it comes to technology, right? And, and what that means is basically, first off, it's an enormously missed opportunity, right? I mean, there's a lot of money here. There's money on the table. Why would we have an entire sector, manufacturing, like 10% of the economy, you know, and, and traditionally much, much more. And, and potentially with these new changes, maybe it could come back to being much more, right? It's a fundamental function of society that we have just neglected and neglected. So we've had like several industrial revolutions, but we have learned nothing. <laughs> Once the revolution happens, you move on to other things and you say, yeah, that, that was nice. But a long time ago, other things are more shiny. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the it's almost like the revolutions, and this is why I get revolutions are not about discontinuity, okay? Something happened in between them, <laughs> and, right. and you cannot disconnect it. And so I always look at that, and yeah, we're talking about Industry 4.0, but really, really what we're talking about is, I think, uh, changing how people work. Like, in, in, in my view, that, that was like the core essence, even if, if you think about, I mean, it's amazing that we got automation and programmable logic controllers and robotics and all that kind of stuff and that was the technological revolution for sure and it did a bunch of things and allowed us to make more things faster and better and so on but it also changed how people work people did not evaporate and pe people i think often forget that I, I just find it interesting to focus on yet another big wave that we're all talking about you know all the all, all the elements and you know we can put in the bucket and this is why we i think well, maybe let me ask you, and before I say what I think, why did we call this podcast Augmented? We spent a bunch of time on it, and we landed on that. So I'll 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 say my my piece on that in a second, but I just wanted to address what you asked, uh, or what you were sort of uh, thinking around revolutions. One of the reasons why I'm here as well is that I have not always 
embraced the term futurist because as an academic, you, you just can't call yourself a futurist. And when you're working in business and government and stuff, you hire futurists, right? You can't just call yourself one. So not only is it a very recent kind of appropriation on my end, but the other reason I guess I'm here is I'm almost like full circle academically as well, because I'm back almost to my, my social science background. And the thing is, even being a futurist, which I actually have embraced, and I think it's important to think about the future, not to be a prophet and sort of like claim that you know things. That's not what it's about. I am embracing being a futurist because I think the world needs to think a little bit further ahead because we are on the wrong direction. But why uh, am I here thinking about whether it's a revolution or not? You said revolutions. Most people who are part of a revolution don't call it a revolution. It is the futurists and the historians and the people who are really just writing about it that call it a revolution afterwards. So, and I don't want to be one of those people. So I recognize that there are a lot of changes, but I want to be on the ground and really feel and understand and talk to the people who are making that change. Uh, and that's so much more interesting. And I think if I'm going to be a futurist, I want to be an informed futurist, right? I want to be an empirical one. I don't want to be at the fluffy level. So, but, but why augment it? I mean, augmented for me is almost like a moral journey. And I think we're calling this episode from automation to augmentation. And, and that's in a nutshell why I am here and why I think augmentation in a very broad sense, not AR as in augmented reality, the way we think of it now, which I think is not going to be a very long lasting idea. I mean, it's so much more, but at least in our context, it's about giving a worker an out from this idea that automation, which it historically was, right? You introduce a big, ugly machine that takes away jobs, whether it is, you know, an industrial machine that replaces thousands of workers in the factory, or now with robots that are obviously a little more capable of precision, but, but still there's this rhetoric that this is, you know, kind of automation. I think there will be a lot of automation, there's no question. But the interesting thing is the advanced automation that leads simultaneously to augmenting real abilities. And it's the cobots and the, the, the interaction between the technologies and, and people. We can just do so much more interesting things. And I think that is, the, from my futurist hat, that's the megatrend. Augmentation is the megatrend. Whether it's a revolution or an evolution, that's the name of the game is augmentation. So, so let's try Let's try and give it for our audience. Maybe we'll fail and that's okay. That's also part of what we're doing here. We need to get a lot of opinions on this, I think, to see that we're on the right track and that's okay. But if we try and like make a succinct definition of you know, augmentation, I think it would be something along the lines of looking at how technology augments humans and how humans are getting augmented as a result of a technological shift at the broadest sense. So, you know, when you, when you apply it into our world of like helping folks in operations and manufacturing and places like that, there are different ways in which they can use their brains to do things that humans are very good for. Uh, they just need the right tools. And I think humans are very capable of imagination and creativity and many things that <laughs> automation setups are good for whatever you program them for, right? Assuming you give those, you know, imagination and creativity machines the right tools and apply engineering, you're just going to get different applications of the technology. Obviously, that's something we're focused on, but 
I think we're hearing a lot of those stories. So that leads me, John, it leads me to asking you, you said something before was really, I think, important, which is you don't want to be, you want to be an empirical futurist or a practical one, paraphrasing you. So let's dive into it. So what, what are we going to do? What is this, like, how is this podcast going to fit in the, you know, oceans of digital information that we get? How are we going to do it? differently who are you going to who are you going to bring on what's your goal here what's the direction you're going to take well i think first of all that it's about going really deep because these things can be seen as just sort of a fluffy rhetoric about things are changing things are going faster it's very easy to come up with the party line on change but i think what's happening here is something a little bit deeper so augmentation at a very basic sense is about extending our natural human abilities. But we are now in a robotic and an AI age as well. So, you know, of course, on the manufacturing floor, there are so many more mundane issues that are being augmented or need to be augmented before we get there. But I think it's part and partial of this discussion, which is eventually we are slowly edging into a situation where the distinction between machines and humans, it's not that they're going away, but you can't meaningfully distinguish extremely clearly because if you wear, wore glasses before there were contact lenses, right? Of course, it, it doesn't give meaning to say that Natan isn't himself without his glasses. And visually, of course, you look a little bit different if you wear glasses. And of course, you can uh, perform different things. If you, if you really don't have eyesight, glasses were transformational. But I think we're now moving into an era where it's not these just individual abilities that are being extended. And I'm not even uh, talking about these massive debates on AI and how that enters into the discussion, but even just the fact that it's not just glasses, right? It's, it's, it's hundreds and hundreds of these micro skills that we have been slowly, slowly augmenting. And I think that the pandemic was the first example, I think, where people all around started to reflect a little bit more about these changes, right? Because it's not just about efficiency. It actually has radically altered what we can do as human beings. It has altered uh, the way that we can actually go on living more or less, at least many of us, more or less the way we want to live, even though our lives have been so limited by, by this pandemic. So I think the discussion and where I would like to take this is we're going to be talking to thought leaders in the manufacturing industry for sure, right? That, because that's kind of given. We will also, I think, ex expand on the startup community. That's something both of us share. And I think startups are crucial in, in this juncture in history. There are so many challenges that cannot be solved with the usual approaches. but. You know, neither are we going to be just an innovation podcast that just sort of looks at the next shiny object. This is a serious, serious juncture, I think, in history. And, and maybe that's where I become the futurist. I think we are, we are onto something, but I don't know that we know where we want to take it. So what I hope we can discuss in this podcast is, what are we doing with all this? There are so many opportunities, right? All of these opportunities actually are coalescing in possibly the most unthinkable of spaces, right? It's not, it's not all happening in a startup doing social media, right? That's not where it's at right now. You know, people sort of think about fake news and that's the biggest problem the world's facing. 
All of those things we're going to find solutions to. The real issue is where are we heading as a society? And manufacturing just happens to be really core to our being. It, it is what we produce that turns us into what we become. And that's a serious discussion. It's an ethical discussion, right? We need to have, you know, we need to have academic discussions about it. It's a science discussion. Where is science helping us here? Policymakers, I think, you know. Yeah. So all of those guys, all of those groups need to be part of this discussion. And I think, yeah, there are other podcasts, but typically you pick a niche and you stick to it. With Augmented, it kind of looks like it's focused on manufacturing, perhaps. But the moment you start peeling the onion, there are so many layers. And I think the exciting thing is there is a fairly distinct focus, but we can take it in so many directions. And I, and I think it's important. And I think those these discussions, they don't go deep enough in you know, existing fora. That's, so I'm hoping we can take it kind of one, you know, one level deeper. Without, you know, without being too academic about it or even just going into all of these. I mean, you and your team over the last few months, I have been diving and diving deeper into these manufacturing software terms and stuff. And it's a nomenclature that I don't know that my brain has space for. But on the other hand, I, I recognize that these things are important and they need to be understood by so many more people, right? Not just the workers. But we need to understand what kinds of technologies should we build. I also think it's a lot about education. And, you know, I always tell this uh, cliche that, you know, you kind of, you, you walk into a college classroom and you say, who wants to work in manufacturing? And, and no one raises their hands. And, and then you ask, who wants to work in analytics, data analytics, machine learning, robotics, automation? And everybody's like, me, 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 me. And it's a space with the bad rep. So I think I think that needs to change. And that's part of the voices we want to bring. So on that note, I wanted to see if I can convince you to give a little bit of a preview of who, who are you bringing on to the show and what topics are you going to cover? Is there, is there some episode preview you can share with our audience? Is, can I convince you to give a little bit of that? I'll give you a little. So of the uh, episodes we've recorded so far, we have some robotic CEOs. We have we have the CEO Vention coming on the show. So now we're talking exciting automation platforms, selling tools that you can get, you know, in three days that would previously take you forever and you couldn't even build these tools. Yeah, it's like IKEA for robots. Only exactly you, you get to be the IKEA designer. Now that's see, we got from the meta of like, hey, you know, this revolution is going on to to the oh, it's very tangible, and very, like, very tangible. Hey, I can go on a website, design my machine, and it will get drop shipped here. Isn't that cool? You know, yeah. and 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 then we think, oh wow, this is cool because you know whatever we love technology and MIT and all that kind of stuff. What you you hear people saying, you know, this is really changing how we're designing our machines. Right. This is and like we have what, a. You know, another example, we have an academic and industrial researcher from University of Cambridge. She's coming on the show and uh, her passion is is the augmented worker. But but from the educational perspective, what are the skills we need to teach? How do we teach these skills? How do we need to change the very way that we have gone, gone about teaching? 
manufacturing for for centuries, right? You know, you 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 teach some of it in school, then you have kind of on the job training, and then you have apprenticeships. But we're moving into a world where there are so many skills that have to be learned on the fly. So she talks, yeah, she, she talks about this almost like this trust challenge. You know, for her, it's more you have to now start trusting your employees because suddenly they'll be on YouTube and, you know, they, they, they're actually learning, you know, and you have to trust that they are because this learning is everywhere and, and you have to give them time and space to do that and stimulate that kind of an attitude. And, and it could just be learning problem solving, she says. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, again, this, this very, very important discussion on, like, how do you upskill the workforce? You know, always when I hear those things, I kind of, like, think about the people, like, uh, it, this is all in my head, so maybe this will come out a little bit weird. <laughs> but that's okay, you know, that's why we're here. I'm imagining, like, some group of people, like, 20 years ago, and said, you know what? We're going to stop training people in cutting-edge tech and all that kind of stuff. And then fast forward to today, there's a bunch of people looking back and say, wait a minute, what happened? Our, our people need more skills. And I'm like, where were you for 20 years? Like when everything around, around us it, it changed and we all got, you know, supercomputers in our hands and all that kind of stuff. The, the main thing to understand is like, again, back to my, my favorite word of the podcast today, is like discontinuity, that the job is like, and this is why we are move. We have moved to a society that is like really network driven. We're all connected in a network. If you're not on the network, you know, you said before in the pandemic, like, can you imagine the pandemic? Like, it would. It's like a network and 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 data. It's like a social good now. It's like power, electricity, water. You know. It, yeah, and and on that, Natan, right? We straddle with this podcast already so many networks because we're already connecting this podcast to MFG Works, right? The work that we're, we're doing with the World Economic Forum. Speaking about a network, the World Economic Forum, in and of itself, historically, of course, is a very elite network of thought leaders in government and big business that meet in Davos once a year. But guess what? Not only had the pandemic changed those plans, but they are also gradually opening up. And many of the projects you and I are involved in, they are all about bringing the skills and the discussions that previously perhaps only were relevant for elites, or at least the elites thought so. Now, everybody is thinking we need to broaden the discussion. So small and medium-sized uh, enterprises, first off, they're the suppliers of the large companies. And it's not enough anymore to say, hey, calling up my little supplier and, he and here's the spec. Because the entire work process depends on a ecosystem that works, a lean collaboration where all of the parts of the chain have to, have to be really, well, agile is, of course, the, the word for, that we have been using for this kind of attitude, but it's so much more. So it is, like you pointed out, an educational challenge, and it's broadening the networks globally, up and down the value chains, across the supply chain, and between small businesses, large businesses. And then, of course, the generational challenge. You can't just assume that young people coming into manufacturing just because they've had it, I don't know, just because they're on TikTok doesn't mean they understand manufacturing. So, right? And, and, and I mean, they need a whole new generational shift. And then, of course, the existing generation who are faced with all of these changes, how are we going to communicate with them? 
and learn from them. Learn from the 50 years of experience, the people on the shop floor today that are, if one of those gets taken out, you know, by COVID or whatever it is, then experience is lost. So it's not just about learning new things. It's about learning old things. Yeah. Like craft that is being lost. Crafts that are being lost. So let's take inventory for a second. So you gave me a startup guy. You gave me an academic researching machine design and robotics, uh, upskilling. Who else? Let's let's look at two more. We've got some executives. Yeah. So let me give you an example. We have a entrepreneur turned corporate executive who has basically been part of this entire movement creating essentially the first industrial manufacturing software and then serially basically producing almost every or or has been part of almost every company that has made a change in terms of technology on the shop floor. He's coming on the show to tell us really uh, about a story that's not yet told in history books, right? No one, because it's a short story, right? It's a story of the last 15 years. So much have changed and he has been part of it partly by his entrepreneurship, and now working in, in large, large companies. Uh, so that's an example. We will also have executives of, of, of true multinationals, I think, coming on to explain how, how they see the situation, right? They are owners of these massive supply networks. They clearly have R&D budgets to spend. They invest in innovation. They invest in education. They have products that are on our shop floors or maybe in our hand today. In many, many industries, from pharma to traditional manufacturing to tooling to robotics, all of the industrial automation companies, I think, at some time or another will be on the podcast. That That's exciting. I think um, it'll be really nice to see, to juxtapose the, the, you know, the, the executive level next to the folks on the shop floor. I also think we're going to bring in some some actual you know workers. No one's listening to them. Like you, we also we always talk about oh, and, and these are awesome people. Don't get me wrong. Whether they're like amazing business leaders that build the P and Ls of our dreams and the products that we all wish we could uh, execute on, or it's like the amazing engineer who built the startup or the the special production technology that you're, you're like wow, that person is so smart. Obviously, that's a solution to that problem. But when was the last time you were on a podcast and you're like, understanding what does it mean today to be on a line making custom leisure crafts boats? That that that. Or, or what does it mean to be on a line that and, and you make sneakers? So we all see them behind the politicians. I'm not going all you know Jean Dark or anything like that. I, I just think that. At the end of the day, the world is flat. It, you know, it's as flat as our touchscreen touch on our iPhone. And everybody has a voice, but we're not. We're not letting these people come in and say, "Hey, let me tell you how much technology impacted me and like how I started." And and I, and I always hear those stories about people who go into all sorts of uh, operations from time to time, and I see those people. They never finished high school, but they learned so much on the job from the craft to the first introduction of computer there they might be 20 years they might be running the whole manufacturing operation you know 
And yeah, and, and I will promise you this. Not everybody who comes on this podcast is going to be famous. They might be famous afterwards. That would be great. Yeah. But uh, the point is, right, this is not a discussion just in the high-flying layers of industry, right? This discussion has to, we have to be able to handle this agreement and to your point about discontinuity. I don't think everybody is feeling that they're part of this right. movement right now, or certainly that they have, that their voice is heard and understood. So I'd be very happy to in, invite people on the podcast who don't really see the benefit right now, perhaps, of augmentation or who are questioning many of the managerial decisions being made right now, or maybe indeed feel like we're, we are going in the wrong direction. These are very important voices. So we're coming up on time here, and I want to I wanna get to our Jeopardy stage of our <laughs> podcast. And so I did prepare for this. So I'm sorry if I'm going to put you on the spot here, but give me three quick goals that, you know, you think if you hit them, we'll be successful in this thing. Look, if we manage to have had a variety of people that matter in this discussion that, that everybody sort of agrees, yeah, these are people that matter in this discussion. To have them on this podcast and say things that they don't say in any other forum, that would be one goal for me because I'm not all about repetition. This is not about just repeating what everyone else is doing. We, we want to go uh, different. We want to ask uh, slightly different questions perhaps probe a little deeper, but also just make some more connections between different areas and have a combination, I think, of a deep and a more lighthearted discussion with people that universally are regarded as they matter in, in automation. Number two, I hope that we can break it up. I hope that we will surprise some people with the breadth of the topics and that we can even build something through this podcast which creates another narrative creates a, basically a strain, a type of people. Maybe, maybe it is workers. Maybe it is another group of people we find to have them essentially tell us where this has been going wrong. So number two for me is, is essentially a, a course correction. If we can contribute in some way, and I have no idea what that course correction, whether it's needed, I think it probably is. I just have no idea where that could take us. Number three a podcast in and of itself doesn't change the world, but I do think that it is actually possible to ideate, and by that I mean come up with concepts through this kind of discussion and foster something. The podcast won't build any products, right? But if we manage to coalesce the community here in a different way than has been done before, then I think we can start to steer the ship, or at least let the community steer the ship and document where this is going. So I think the third part for me is about not innovation, but it's about perhaps building a community or formulating a community or trying to understand what this community is and where we are heading and where we want to go and start having maybe more directional thoughts. Because I think right now we're very reactive, whether it's policymakers, even even startups, right? We We are all reactive. We are jumping on what we think is maybe the way to a quick product or a market or something. But this is, I think, as I was alluding to much earlier, this is about something much more important. So where do we want to go? If we can help chart 
a little bit of where it's going, even just by bringing on people who start having ideas and joining forces in, in an interesting way, I think that would be my, my, my third ambition. So combination, I guess, of having the people that matter, finding a new generation, a new voice, and, and actually charting a direction for a community. Great. The next Jeopardy question. No, come on. I, I just did three Jeopardy questions. No, I'm just joking. No, I want to I, I wanna help you, you know, help our audience understand where, where we're going. So if you have to say succinctly, who is this podcast for? Like, who, who do you want uh, to be listening to us and, and eventually becoming potential guests or contributors? Who, who are we looking for? What would you say? Well, number one, because it's tangible, is leaders in manufacturing. And by that, I mean a broad scope of leaders, right? Not just super, super senior leaders, but literally anybody who has a role where they're managing people, managing factories, or are involved, perhaps even on the governance side or, or in research, shaping, already today have a role shaping manufacturing. I, I want to be a voice for them. And I hope that Augmented can be an arena that they find relevant. That's, I think, core. Number two, beyond leaders, I think it's to reach the next generation. So it's this educational challenge. And by the next generation, I also mean people that I know Tulip works a lot with. So non-developers. So you're talking reaching people to talk about technology that may be engineers, they may be process engineers, they may be quality engineers. They're leaders, but they have been domain-specific and interested in things that aren't really part of these very super fascinating robotics, AI, you know, advanced software discussions. They're just doing their jobs, they're process innovating. But if we can be an arena to connect the dots between the very, very advanced research and, and all the product development going on in, in things like AI, robotics, IoT, sensors, all of that stuff, and what this group of engineers are, are really experiencing on the shop floor in their day-to-day life. I think that would be very, very valuable. So that, that would be two groups for me. And then generally, and you alluded to this, why is it that the broader society doesn't see manufacturing as interesting? If we can make a dent in that impression, even by just, I think, blowing in open doors, right? I mean, because this is pretty obvious to me. But if we can state that and demonstrate that in a useful way, that perhaps the most important thing a young person could do now is to go into the manufacturing industry with their skills and, and that if they make that choice, they will have a far bigger voice in AI than they ever thought possible or in robotics or in any advanced domain. because this is a real challenge here. We're dealing with a combination of physical infrastructure, which is really complex, and a software infrastructure, which of course is also complex, but it is the meeting point of those two. You know, with these societal concerns that I think we've talked about, you know, now for 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 a good bit, you have to keep all those things in your head at the same time. And and that's a complicated discussion. But I think young people will see how exciting the next generation of, of this industry is. Excellent. So my last question is like, if, if people want to jump on our train here 
and pitch ideas or suggest an episode, what, what should they do? Well, that's easy. Augmentedpodcast.co. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be there. You can send suggestions. We'll invite guests. We're going to do live episodes. So we'll be streaming this on LinkedIn, probably YouTube, a lot of other channels live. And people can come in and, and ask questions live. And we will try to keep a, a discussion going. And we want to have you engaged. Well, Tron, thank you very much. This has been awesome interviewing you. Hopefully I did a decent enough job where, you know, you excel and I can't wait to, to kind of get all those episodes out there. I know we have a pretty exciting lineup coming up and I think we'd love to see you all join us. So please hit that subscribe button, you know, smash that like button and, and we'll see you online and hopefully in the real world very soon as well. Any last comments, Tron, or we... Well, uh, thanks for, for having me on the show. I mean, it's going to be a rarity. I'm going to try, and this is really hard as an interviewer. My style is I, I try to reflect a little bit, but you have reminded me that there, there's actually value when you have a smart interviewer, they do deserve to say something because I think you, you have taken your space here. I hope that it's going to be an interesting journey. M my challenge, I think, is, is going to be quiet enough to, to listen to, to everybody. And that's really, I guess, a lifelong project, right? To to make sure you listen well. And that's a, yeah. at least my ambition. So let's yeah. see how, how we do. My, my, mine as well. I mean, there's always more listening one can do, starting with yours truly. Thank you, Tron. Thank you so much. You have just listened to episode one of the Augmented Podcast with host Trun Arne Unheim. The topic was Automation to Augmentation. Our guest was Trun Arne Unheim himself in conversation and interviewed by Nathan Linder, CEO and co-founder of Tulip. In this conversation, we talked about the ambitious aim of the Augmented Podcast to shift the discussion about industrial operations from automation to augmentation, bringing a bottom-up perspective that benefits the frontline worker. My takeaway is that the path from automation to augmentation won't be linear. Clearly, there is still a place for automation. What we need to ensure is that industrial operation doesn't only become efficient, but also maintains meaning for the frontline worker. The shift from automation to augmentation, starting with the appearance of 3D printing, which is continuously improving, adding the revolutionary layer of low-code and no-code apps on the manufacturing shop floor has just begun literally only a few years ago. This is why discussing what is happening to make sure both industry insiders and those who depend on industry are comfortable, have a stake in the process and can be part of the change is so important. The Augmented Podcast aims to be part of the upskilling process that has to occur equally and equitably among government policymakers, industry leaders and frontline workers. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at augmentedpodcast.co or in your preferred podcast player and rate us with five stars. If you liked this episode, you might also like episode number three, Reimagine Training, episode four, A Renaissance of Manufacturing, or episode five, Plug and Play Industrial Tech. Augmented, the Industry 4.0 podcast.